0: This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at altizen.com, A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Markus Tan, co-founder and president of Carousel. We discuss the vision, mission and business of the mobile marketplace funded by Rakuten Ventures and Sokoa Capital, and the lessons learned in scaling from a startup in Singapore to a regional company in Asia. Hi Marcus. Hi Bernard. How are you doing? I'm great. It's been good to catch you during the Singapore Computer Society lunch, where your company has just won one of the best tech workplace to work in Singapore, right?
1: Yes, great meeting you again.
0: Guess who I'm talking to? Today, I'm actually sitting during lunchtime in the Carousel HQ. I'm talking to Marcus Tan, co-founder and president of Carousel. So it's a very interesting startup. It's a mobile marketplace and we'll talk about that as we go. But I want to start off by getting to know you better, Marcus how did you start your
1: career? Yeah, I started in five years now doing Carousel. So I did a g- short stint at Oracle as a consultant just after graduation from the National University of Singapore. Didn't really enjoy what I was doing. Positive impact of the world is something not exciting and something that I've been in touch with my current co-founder, uh, Sue Wei. So we have been classmates since young technic, polytechnic days. We went to NUS together and also introduced him to the NUS Overseas College Program. That was where we fell in love with tech. We spent a year in the Silicon Valley, Bay Area. We met like-minded founders back then, uh, entrepreneurs. And seeing how they use technology to solve problems at scale. So when we came back, we were like looking for a problem to solve While I was actually still at Oracle But nothing really caught up Until we were Hey, why wasn't like Buying and selling simpler Right I used to use forums And uh, online classified sites To sell my camera gear So I'm a avid photographer I love to take photos I used to trade lenses On those forums Especially second hand lenses Because uh, the, the price Trading or buying and selling Is always stay, always fixed In the second uh, hand market and it was just a painful process to sell those camera gear. So let me just quickly walk you through. To sell something, you need to take a, your, your camera, you need to take a photo of it, you need to take out the SD card, upload it on a web hosting site, embed the link on some web hosting platform, and then embed the link onto the forums. And the, most, and the worst part of it, it, was it wasn't the best experience browsing forum content on a mobile phone. So then why in, like there something simple? So that was the early hypothesis. Why wasn't there uh, like a mobile interface UX uh, experience where people can just snap, list, sell, and list their item for sale? And buying is a simple as sending a, like a text message. So that was the early days of how like, came out the idea and the fires in fires in we're still working on it I'm very excited to actually expand to more markets and so forth
0: Before we get carousel I wanted to know in your career journey so far I mean you started off with Oracle and then you go and run your own startup what are the interesting career lessons that you can share with my audience?
1: Yeah, so uh, when I was at Oracle, I worked a lot on the consulting and sales side. So working with systems integrator and partners to deliver solutions. One of the things that I was personally that I wanted to do was like having deep impact, right? To front, to consumers. Something that I experienced it while working in, in the Silicon Valley as an internship part of the exchange program. And that's something that I was trying to look for, something impactful and meaningful. And nothing came about until like me, Sire, uh connected to it. And he connected to our, our other co-founder, Lucas, which was his roommate, in the same program they're in so we just came together and that was how we got started it was a great learning point to be in the workforce for about i was doing the oracle consulting for about close to eight months it was a good experience figuring out like what i really enjoyed doing and what i wanted to do and what i wanted to focus on and it was more like towards consumer tech rather than like enterprise tech and oracle but all the roots all came about in the year in the Silicon Valley.
0: That's pretty interesting. So do you find that the time you spent in Silicon Valley was actually fruitful because you get to interact with the networks there and also uh, with the people and the way how they interact with startups, etc.?
1: Absolutely. I would say it was (laughs) life-changing. Prior to that, being in the business school in National University of Singapore, the typical business school student would be like thinking about, hey, how do you optimize your curriculum? Going to... Uh, Maybe uh, consulting, management consulting path or finance path or FMCG marketing path, right? So people are just like year one line-up internships to optimize for that, right? They either go investment banking... You take a stinge in some uh, FMCG PNG, and then after that, they move off of that. that. changed when after spending the, spending a year in the in the Valley, where you take classes at Stanford. One of my like uh, guest lectures was Reed Hoffman, like uh, who is the partner at Greylock right now, and he started LinkedIn. Having him as a guest lecture actually also was eye opening, right? Where people share passionately about how like technology, how networks can actually improve people's lives. That's one anecdote that I took took away from. Also in that company that I interned, at, there were also other. Uh, college students from Ivy League schools. And that really exposed to thinking like, hey, these people are no different from us, right? They're just there because they're passionate. They're passionate about learning things, using technology to solve problems. And when we came back to Singapore, it was kind of a responsibility to to do something, right? To start, why isn't there like this ecosystem also in Singapore? So it's something that we, uh, me, Siri, Lucas and I, I just something that we are so passionate about, like how can we foster this uh, ecosystem?
0: So now we come to the main topic, your company Carousel. So, to give a quick introduction, how I understood it, and please correct me if I'm wrong. So, Carousel is a mobile and online consumer marketplace for buying and selling of new and second-hand goods. It's headquartered in Singapore, founded by Quack Ray, Lucas Noy, and yourself. You are currently the president of Carousel. So, I want to start off, because you have already talked a little bit about how you and your co-founders have actually ended up coming together and work on this idea. So, can you tell me the backstory on how you and your fellow co-founders end up uh, focusing on this idea and eventually take it to where it is today.
1: So after being inspired by our experience in the U.S., we came back to to work on an idea. The idea was just a simple idea of just solving a problem that we faced on using existing classified sites to sell stuff. So we started mainly, just the three of us, five years ago. I worked mainly on product design. So I had to learn how to use uh, Photoshop, all the design application, and then also learn about like design principles and uh, the app. So we did a lot of the user experience and also like prioritization of uh, product management. And Lucas was the wizard, right? the software engineer wizard, who did front-end and back-end and, and everything. So early days, we were just focusing on the three So we are like the delivery scrum team and also the marketing team. So a lot of the first two to three years, we uh, are building product, we are going out to the market to show users, getting feedback, and then coming back. On weekends to iterate and improve. that was how we, we what happened for the last uh, the first two to three years and after we started starting to scale and becoming number one, we looked at the problem we were solving, which was like how do we make selling simple, uh, safer? We realized this is not just a Singapore problem, it's something that Singapore users need it's something that the world actually needs. And we look at it. Why can't 7.5 billion people? Why can't everyone be a seller? And that's our mission to inspire the whole world to start selling. And since then, we have raised three rounds. Recently, Series B round led by Rakuten Ventures, and uh, we're on par to right now. We're over 19 cities across seven uh, markets, uh, mm. and it's something that we're continuing to do. And also, what big focus is also on our verticalization and monetization.
0: Just to elaborate, because you talk about your. Vision is to make everybody a seller. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that vision and also the mission in how you're going to bring it forward to that seven point five billion population out there?
1: Sure. Five years ago, when we were selling things on traditional forums or classified sites, it was built for experts, right? People who like us who know how to use the internet. We, who, who people who don't use the computer, we take it for granted, right? We, we thought all of us like us, but the reality is there are people out there that do not know how to use a computer or may not know how to use a forum or uh, classified sites. And what we learned as we built Carousel the last five years is that we have users coming on board who who are selling for the first time on Carousel. And the reason is because of the simplicity of using a smartphone. One, and secondly, the accessibility of smartphone right now in, in this world. That comes into like the many meaningful stories that we hear, how people be able to afford things that they could only dream of because it's a lot more cheaper than the retail price. People who managed to declutter their rooms, uh, get rid of stuff that was underused or maybe they outgrew it, uh, prolonging the life of those products so that when they pass it on to someone else. On a side note, to create a more sustainable world, right? As you see all these like, e-commerce uh, players coming into uh, Southeast Asia, lots of like, new items are being uh, shown to display to you with discounts. We buy more stuff we may not necessarily Right? A quote from Fight Club, one of my favorite movies. Really? Uh, we buy stuff we may not necessarily need. So you want to build a platform where people can easily snap sell, which is what our whole value proposition is around of. Within seconds, you can sell something. And that's, we believe that this lifestyle is something that the whole world needs. and Everyone should be able to participate in this. And we can because of the ecosystem right now. <laughs> Smartphones, data, connectivity, everything just coming into place where... Uh, what was a very small group of internet users who were selling online can now be accessible where the whole world can actually participate in this. It's just savvy and it's just meaningful.
0: I thought one thing pretty interesting that came up is the way you describe your user or the people who actually sells through your platform. Uh, truth be told, a lot of people I know who came from overseas to live in Singapore for coming from Europe and US, they use Carousel to sell their secondhand furniture. My brother-in-law, who's an e-commerce seller, who's also using the same platform to actually sell his stuff, mobile platform too. So I want to ask a pretty simple question. How does the consumer access Perusel through the mobile phone app? How do they get access to the services? What do they do? How do they end up uh, downloading the app and what do they do after that?
1: Yeah, so you can find it on the, on the web, you can browse it, you can, you can sell on the, on the web. You can also find, it, find us on the app store, uh, which is something becoming more like a native experience where people buy a phone, they're free to search, right? They search for a platform to sell stuff, and they find they, they find Carousel. They download the app. It's a very fast sign up process, verification, and, and up you're running. And selling is as simple as taking a photo. So if you know how to take a literally, don't you know how to take a selfie or take a photo of a landscape, you basically know how to sell something on Carousel. And then chat and then buying something is as simple as sending a text message. So we build in a chat system where it's fast and where people can actually find out information of what the item is all about and then they can deal we recommend people meet up so that they can actually check the item before they transact and this is where communities are built over time as well what we learn from our experience is that people end up building communities groups around them they become friends some even become like partners business partners and stuff like that so it's very meaningful and it's because of the simple process that we have, right? Our design philosophy is selling as simple as taking a photo and buying as simple as messaging. So if you know how to use LINE, WeChat or SMS, you basically know how to browse and buy a shop on Carousel.
0: It's interesting when you're giving me a tour in the office and you name your rooms after the sales that were done by some of your sellers, which is actually pretty interesting. I want to zoom in a little bit more. How does buyers and sellers use Carousel as a marketplace? And what are the interesting services that carousel have place to better help the sellers because you talk about like giving them the security mm. giving them the comfort to do it
1: sure so for myself when i was a frequent like a forum user on uh, club snap which is the photography platform that i used a lot frequently to buy and sell my camera gear it was a platform where you had to figure out how to actually deal sometimes and also the browsing experience was not great you don't know who you're actually dealing with so carousel we designed the carousel experience we made it simple for people to leave reviews, so that they can share their stories of uh, the amazing experience they have with this seller, and exchange that likewise for a buyer as well. Able to see other listings, other posts easily when they signed up. Having this private chat where they they go through and they make an offer and they accept it and they deal after that. So we made it very seamless process where we take the native very familiar experience of chatting into onto the carousel and buying compared to the former experience where you had to sometimes you need to bump out the pole you need to find it it's very search intensive whilst carousel is very photo centric very visual centric kind of experience in finding something that makes sense for you so that was the, the main difference we also have for safety wise we also invest in a lot of machine learning kind of capabilities so we partner with a third party company that looks at how we can detect bad actors before it happens so that people before they even like Know about or have an unpleasant situation, the, the users will really be out of the platform before it happens. So, we do a lot of preemptive, proactive steps to, to reduce mm-hmm. or curate the sellers exactly as well at the same time. Correct. So, to
0: deal with fraud, for example,
1: exactly. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. one interesting thing that, that comes to mind are there verticals that have worked for sellers in carousel? For example, I know my brother in law uses torch he sells mm-hmm. torch lights through his e commerce site and his physical store. He also uses carousel as a form of a channel to sell do you see interesting verticals on that?
1: Yeah, so when we first started, we were targeting people like ourselves uh, because we know that as a student, we were always looking for bargains and like, whenever we move to, whenever the new semester starts, we're looking for like a cheap furniture, air for removing the dorms. So we were targeting the thing that we would use for ourselves when we were students. As we win that segment, what we, they tell their parents, their parents come on board and that's when the demographic started to shift. And that's also where like a lot of high-value items started to be on Carousel. So what was predominantly fashion, female fashion, moved into a higher value verticals like uh, gadgets, torch lights, so forth. And that's where the liquidity of all these categories started to increase. And a seller of that particular category I have more likelihood to sell their things. And as we grow, as we five years in right now, what we have seen, is, we observe is that people are starting to sell their cars, they are searching for cars on carousel, they are searching for property, they are searching for jobs and services. And that's where like, we are looking into how we can deepen the experience for the buyer or the, the one that wants to consume that or, and also deepen the experience for the seller, the service prov- the, the provider of those verticals. So these are things that as a company we are thinking very deeply how we can enrich those experiences and that's where it ties into our, our revenue, or monetization as well. Because they're all, all those verticals I talked about, are all partners that are, are looking for opportunities to actually provide and sell their services. How do you monetize your
0: platform currently? Yeah,
1: so we made it simple for people to increase their visibility of products. So that's where anyone in the platform, any seller can pay to bump it. Very easy process where you just press the bump button can pay the fee and it's, increase the visibility of the item so they can sell faster. Mm. So what maybe takes a week or two could take days with that pump. So it, it, it helps people sell faster. We are also working with partners in the, the verticals, like for example cars, car dealers, agents, where we provide them value-added services where they can actually sell faster in-the-car verticals. And so I, if
0: I want to sell my car, I could just go to the Carousel and take a picture of my car and sell it. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So,
1: so another way we are monetizing is also media, where we have great placement and inventories for brand partners or value-added services for our community. So you're, if you see it on the app, we have seen banks, we have seen various partners on board. So this is another platform that we partner various brands and help create value for our users and for them.
0: So it's almost very similar to, say, sponsored posts in Instagram or even in some of these social media type offices.
1: Exactly. So we have a very creative partnerships and a team that looks at not just inventory and media space, but we look at the campaign mechanics. How can you drive engagement to the brand, to our clients? So that's something that's a big piece of our, of our monetization strategy as of creating value for partners.
0: So far, we have been talking everything Singapore-centric, but... Carousel is a Asia company because it actually expanded across Asia, and you have very impressive investors. In fact, one of your investors, Vinnie Laura, told me the backstory of how you three. Convincing with the user retention, and he end up became your investor. So I want to ask the question: Who are the investors of Carousel? And you already in the Series B funding, and where are you heading?
1: Sure. So I just want a big shout out to Vinny as well. So Vinny was our first investor. We were connected by NUS Enterprise, uh, which was where we were uh, incubated in, uh, in the first six to nine months, where we were struggling, really st- like struggling. Right, we were spending late nights figuring out why. Why no users? Why, why why were there no users signing up? Why our retention was so bad? I remember once when three of us were walking back from uh, Fusion Police, which is just a, a mall, uh, just in front, office space just in front of the, where we were looking off from, where we had like seven sign-ups a day, and we were wondering what should we do next. <laughs> and there was a period of time where we were connected to Vinny uh, from Golden Gate, and we sat down with him every two to three weeks to go through our roadmap, share with our, our marketing ideas of how we can, our strategy, and how we can uh, really change this, like change the, the, the fate of the company. And what we really enjoyed working with Vinny was he was absolutely a great product guy. So he would give us uh, ideas on how to fix retention, right? We have so many ideas that we had, we had done, but he, he provided clarity on uh, which are the few things you should do first. So he, looks, he looked at our funnel, he looked at our retention, looked at numbers, and the first thing he picked up was you need to fix retention. You had people coming in, but it was like a leaking bucket. (laughs) Every time you pour in water, the water was flowing out of the bucket. So he he looked at a few ways. So we shared some ideas as well. So he shared like, look, this is the most important thing you should work on for retention. And it was actually a very simple thing. It was just automating and sending welcome emails. It's a simple thing that, we knew that this was a thing that would work, but we didn't prioritize that. We we, we put a lot of things before that. And he said, do this first. (laughs) Try this. Uh, he, he, he just said try it first mm. And that's what we did And he was so hands-on That he even looked at the copy Meaning the, what was written in the email Before it was sent out And he also shared like uh, he, His wife does a lot of e- email yeah. and he, they, They're possibly <laughs> the best Two
0: growth hackers I know in town yeah, In they, Singapore And he also gave me advice For my copy to my guests as well
1: yeah, he was like Use this word <laughs> and, and and you know He's great at like Parties and stuff like that Organising this kind of Community stuff And events And that was how we That was Carousel as well right? We believe To further this mission It has to be a group Of like-minded people Who believe that Selling uh, second-hand Pre-love is important And so that's what we did We sat down with him We worked with him Week to week uh, Month to month And he actually saw Us uh, growing Like He saw like a lot of the ideas we we're trying executing well, becoming eventful and fruitful. So that was when, like at one point, we were starting to grow uh, week on week, and that's why I think probably he shared with you about those those uh, exciting numbers where you're like, well, hey, you guys, are ever looking to raise? Oh, you need more resources. Let me know. Yeah.
0: So he he is an investor, but I know the other investors. I know, I think five hundred. Yes. Rakuten Ventures, Kylie, Sokoa, Kylie, yep. The most well-known Sokoa Capital. Yep. In Southeast Asia is also your investor. Are there any other investors that we should know also? Uh,
1: Rakuten. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I can share. So that was where Vini connected us to treat that star startup names that you, you, you mm. shared, right? Yeah. D- Darius as well. Uh, mm. That's the, right. He's, yeah. that he's also the angel.
0: Angel investor to
1: your company. And as well. Danny Uy. Uh, Danny
0: what is the footprint of Carousel across Asia?
1: After Singapore, Malaysia is our second uh, biggest, fastest growing uh, market in our portfolios. We are in five other markets, so total seven. So the other markets Indonesia, followed by Taiwan, Hong Kong, Philippines, and Australia. So these are the seven markets, and across 19 major cities.
0: I want to ask this question. Scaling a company is not easy. And there are very few stories in Asia talking about scaling. So you're probably one of those who managed to do it. What are the kind of challenges you face as your company expands into different markets? I think for all Singapore companies, the first day you need to tell yourself, I need to get out of this 5 million population market. So what are the challenges that you encounter so far?
1: So I always share that I think Singapore is a a good place and also... Not a good place to start, <laughs> you just share five million, but, but what helped us was early on was we raised a focus on Singapore and that allowed us to uh, grow rapidly and also build out the product that could serve these five million people and that gave us the kind of also the resources that helped us to expand further right? by reading one market that unlocked also the resources to invest and to grow in the seven markets that I just talked about so one of the biggest challenges I think that I can sum up three things which is scaling a company, is that firstly, hiring talent is tough, right? It's uh, literally a talent wall out there right now. There are companies in Singapore, Asia, looking for talent. There are multinational companies coming in. You have like tech giants coming in as well. And like then look at Facebook. Amazon now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I still feel it's a net positive still. <laughs> I mean, if you talk about moving the world forward, I think it's positive where like students... In fact, everyone right now, if I, they were thinking, like, what degree should I apply, right? What should I, what should I, what should I study? And probably computer science is one of them. And it's a, I, I believe it's a net positive where if you have more people looking working in tech, uh, it benefits the world, it be, benefits civilization. So I think it's a net positive, but the challenge for Singapore based company or Asia based company is that there'll be, you'll be fighting with all these things. And so that ties into the second point, which is, how do you scale culture? How do you make sure that it's a meaningful place for people to do great work in? That's something as founders and now, I mean, as a founders and executive team, we think about very deeply, right? The culture, how do we scale that? How do we retain uh, people that resonate with the culture? And how do we part with people who don't uh, resonate with the culture or the mission of the company? So these are a few things that are very important. And the last one, obviously, is I would say marketing, generating uh, user acquisition. How do we scale that? How do we uh, invest and make sure that every marketing dollar is efficient?
0: as we alluded to the start of the conversation is that Carissa has just won one of the best tech companies in Singapore to work in and can you talk about the values of the workplace that you're advocating and how do you facilitate collaboration within the company itself
1: so we have a what we call a big heavy audacious goal the hack. I think it's a lot of- literature on that by Jim Collins if I'm yes, not wrong correct. yeah, Built to Last he, it was, I think it was a famous article from the, Harvard, from the Harvard Business Review it can be a book if I'm not wrong mm-hmm. we have a big heavy audacious goal we set ourselves a very long term view of how the business will be and we want to be the number one uh, classified sites uh, in, in the world And then we work backwards uh, what we need to do to achieve that. So we have goals to break it down to five years, three years, one year, and a quarter. So that's something that we worked out. So every quarter, we have a few objectives and priorities that we want to work on. And we deliberately set aside two days for the leadership team to come together to make sure that we have alignment, make sure that each team has the resources to support one another, making sure that there's any roadblocks, we identify it as early as possible at, at a quarterly planning level. And then once aligned, we break it down to weekly, and that's where the, each teams would, would work on each other. So we have a company, OKRs, we call it Objective Key Results, and then we break it down to team level, and that's where they, week to week, they, they, they check for our roadblocks and stuff like
0: that. Like any growing company, you also have made acquisitions. How do you integrate those teams into your existing team? I guess you have mm-hmm. really alluded to the point that culture is very important. Mm-hmm. How do you bring them into your culture then?
1: So for acquisition, there are probably Two types. right? One would be more of if it's a team dynamics and that's something we, we looked at if, it's a look, if we look at the equity hire standpoint we look at making sure that we interview on culture based on core values like of the company and something we deliberately go through the whole process like like any other person that joins the company. For strategic we look at what, what we're trying to achieve. For example, Kali uh, uh, which is now our Carousel Motors team was very strategic in the sense that we saw like I shared earlier on more and more in people uh, buying and selling cars on Carousel and this was a car classified site that's been solving, trying to solve this problem, solving this problem for some time. And they had experience, they had a team, they built the product, very product-centric team as well. And that was a strategic acquisition in that, in that front. But like all, even if it's a strategic acquisition, we also spend a lot of time on culture, right? In a sense where we interview them, share bounce ideas, discuss uh, how they think about our core values, what we stand for, do they agree, disagree, and so forth. So we, we spend, invest a lot of time on, on that front, right? Uh, I mean, numbers make sense, but we also need to have to be comfortable where they're coming in with the same motivation as the rest of the company. Yeah. So we, it's not a straight away on spreadsheet looks great, but we also spend a lot of time that's uh, non-tangible stuff, making sure that they're the right people.
0: After all that you have experienced in the past five years with Carousa, what do you look forward to? Um, I guess the question I always like to ask people is, what keeps you up at
1: night? Oh, <laughs> if I were to distill it down to one, I think it's the impact how we helping people sell those things, right? It's something where you dig deeper. Whenever I ask someone like, hey, how did your carousel deal went?" they share, like, oh, I met this guy and this happened. Yes, yeah, she shared the same interest as me. I, I met this friend. What if we want that for the... We want everyone to experience that, right? We want everyone to think of whenever they, they need something, check out carousel first, uh, see whether there's a good deal or something brand new, but it was selling it because someone bought it wrong pri- wrong size or was impulsed by, discover it there first. If you can't find it, yes, you can definitely check it out on, on an e-commerce site, right? Because we believe that it's savvy for the world, right? We want people to think more of like, how can we utilize resource more, more efficiently? And that's something that can be done now because of the accessibility of smartphones, data, this, the cameras, everything you, you can do it right now. I'm just going to make it easier to actually index a lot of these things that are underused. Mm. And make the world more efficient mm. So that keeps me up at night Where uh, we are just at the start We're just scratching the surface literally like, There's a lot of things that is going to happen in the future Like right? all this data collection It's going to have a lot of machine learning Kind of capabilities And AI kind of systems That can really help this buying ex- selling experience Even better for, for, for individuals right? it doesn't have to, You don't have to be an expert to sell Any individual can take a photo Oh, I actually can sell this for X dollars and within seconds, right, someone can actually reach out to you and to you. And maybe in the future when we integrate with logistics and payments, this thing can be done, right, but like, Unix use, use Economics makes sense, so it can be done, peer-to-peer. Mm. Yeah, so, there's many things, like, that keeps me going, right? Mm.
0: So, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on my show and uh, I'm glad we actually caught up during that lunch there, but there will be two things I have to ask. The first thing is, do you have a recommendation of a book, movie, podcast or something that you have recently encountered that's interesting to you?
1: Oh, book... I wish I could read more now. <laughs> I think the last book I read was The Hard Things by Ben Horowitz.
0: Yeah, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Yes,
1: The Hard Things About the Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Uh, it was just a book that caught my, I mean, I like how he scaled his company, all his challenges that he faced, something that really resonates with founders, all the trials and tri- tribulations and, 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 and so forth. Yeah. So it was a really insightful book.
0: My famous question, help my audience, how do they find you?
1: Yeah, you can check out my the stuff that I'm selling on Carousel.
0: <laughs>
1: so I'm selling my camera gears, uh, my football boots. I'm a big football fan, so check it out. I recently bought it wrong size, so I've got embarrassed, a bit too tight, uh, too tight. So I'm selling my my football boots. So Carousel. slash Marcus. Those are my, those my stuff I'm selling, and you can find me on uh, Twitter. At curious Marcus C U R S I O U S Marcus. Pretty obvious. I'm pretty curious and I'm uh, always looking for just learning new things and uh, yeah, bounce share ideas on Twitter with me.
0: You can find me at c w at Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia, Analyse Asia A N A L Y S E Asia. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acas, and of course Google Play in the US market. Recommend us on Overcast. Tweet to me. Or give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And of course, we look forward to your feedback. So once again, Marcus, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Leonard.